Welcome to Curious Not Furious. I'm Louise Brooks, parenting coach and family advisor, and a mom of two. I support parents to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids through one-to-one sessions, online courses, and workshops. And here, where I take on the hard questions and offer actionable strategies and inspiration that can help you in your parenting. One thing I know that we all share in common as as parents is a desire to instill in our kids a sense of independence, the ability to take care of themselves when one day they're going to fly the nest and they're going to have to use their wings and hopefully those wings will see them soar. And we might imagine perhaps that our child is going to be able to hold down a job, they're going to be able to pay their bills and to independently work out the solutions to their sort of everyday problems without having to come back and have us solve it for them. Of course we want that for our kids because that's the whole purpose of childhood is to get them ready for that part of life where they're going to have to be on their own two feet and and take care of themselves. I invite you to think of this as your long-term goal. This is the goal you steer towards. This is what you your end game is, is independence, is ability to stand on their own two feet. And that's a brilliant long-term goal to have. But perhaps you recognize that at times your child's actual needs can feel conflicting with this long-term goal. That their need for you to do things for them, to tie their shoes, to help them walk upstairs to help them with homework and things even that you think they ought to be able to do right now kind of conflicts with this long-term goal of yours. In today's episode, I'm going to shed some more light on the idea of, of independence, what hinders it, what promotes it, what does independence feel like for a child, and I'll share one thing that can really help you in terms of getting your child to want to be more independent. Because all too easily, issues around independence is where we can end up with a lot of unwanted power struggles with our child. Independence is not something, contrary to what we might think, that we need to instill in our children. The good news is that independence is what our children are motivated to attain all on their own, not because we are doing something to promote this. I like to think of it more in terms of how we hinder independence what we do unintentionally that can sometimes slow down or sabotage independence from emerging in our children. So the first time we come into contact with our child's independence, I think is a time we all have been through listening to this podcast, and that is the around the age of two. And perhaps, not surprisingly, this is what many people will call the terrible twos or the three-nager, There's many negative terms to describe what can be a really, really trying period of time as a parent because of the emerging independence in our children. This is a time when for children, they really want to exercise this sense of autonomy that they've found they can have now that they can move more freely, they can move away from us. And with that comes a growing desire to do things on their own. Me do it, you know, or I will help empty the dishwasher and they can barely feed themselves, but they still want to take it upon themselves to 
start think, taking things out of the dishwasher for us or the washing machine or whatever it is. This is our child's first attempts at gaining independence, at being helpful, you could say, in other words, at contributing. And they do that all on their own, even if we haven't told them to be independent, even if we haven't told them that it's a virtue to be helpful. They simply go towards those behaviors. The great tragedy, of course, is that around that time where the desire to be independent and the desire for autonomy and being helpful, and I say that in inverted inverted commas, coincides with a great lack of skill. Let's be honest, emptying a dishwasher is not exactly a help to us at that stage because we could have emptied 10 dishwashers by the time they've taken out one cup from the dishwasher. So what we often do in those early days when there's an open door for natural independence to emerge is that we go against, we close that door. We say, "Uh uh-oh, don't take that cup and I'll do it. And we sort of take the cup out of their hand and we end up dismissing the fact that here was the first natural open door on independence. I think it's really helpful and comforting to remember that of all mammals, the human child takes the longest to fully mature. It takes roughly about 25 years for the human brain to be fully matured and reach full maturity. And we see that if we consider something like car policies, that the premium on car policies is really, really high in the early days of our kids' driving career. And for good reason, because there is still an underdeveloped and not fully yet fully formed part of their prefrontal cortex that needs to fully mature before they can be um, making less risky decisions and, and be trusted to make better decisions in general. So the reason I mentioned this is because I know as a parent, it can feel like we all we need to have it all sorted now. That for us to trust that our child is going to eventually become ready to fly the nest and fully independent, we need to make advances towards that on a daily basis. And it has to be reflected in common everyday moments and especially where we can get very hung up on it is that we look very much at chronological time as an indication of where our child should be at at any given moment. Where this really comes to the fore for the first time for most of us parents is if your child is about to start school. So if your child has been through this process, you might remember that you might have received a letter from your child's future school to say, by the time little Max starts school, We need Max to be able to independently wash his hands, independently go to the toilet, independently dress dress himself and be able to tie shoelaces and hold a pen, say. I can't quite remember the the exact requirements or or things that schools list as a a desired sort of quality in your child. But what it does in most of us parents is it gives us a sense of We need to get cracking on this. We need to really brush up on some independent skills here. And so we start a boot camp in the summer leading up to to the school start. For some kids, this might even look like losing a dummy. For some kids, it might even look like moving out of mom and dad's bed. This could also be something that we 
want to really st- nip in the bud before they go on their first residential trip still, where those milestones and those expectations are set from the outside and imposed on our child, end up adding a sense of urgency to those um, independent skills. And one thing that independence doesn't like is when it's being rushed, when we're trying to force an issue. It's a little bit like wanting a plant to grow, so we start pulling at the stem, hoping it will grow faster. And of course it's futile, because most likely what's going to happen is the stem will snap. And in a similar way, when we try and force independence and we try and we're ahead of our child and we're kind of pulling our child along on the independence journey. Come on, let's be independent here. What happens is our child will most likely start pulling the opposite direction. And this is what we can often see as where power struggles start happening and where we can get into some very unhelpful dynamics with our child. And there is just really useful to stop get curious and ask ourselves, okay, what might my child be trying to communicate to me right now? What's going on for me? What am I believing about the situation that's adding maybe a sense of urgency to the situation? And get curious. When we take a step back in that way, which of course we can't always do, but when we manage to take a step back that way, this is what I would say the majority of my sessions is about it's really about taking a step back from parenting the step we never get to take or rarely get to take in the heat of the moment we begin to actually see things a little bit clearer and what you might find is that you are driven your behavior your insistence on your child independence is driven very much by your own relationship to independence how this was instilled in you or maybe it wasn't instilled in you growing up. You might remember my previous episode on pendulum parenting and this is where this stuff really plays out. So say you're in your own upbringing, you had been forced to be fairly independent, maybe because of the family's setup, the family's circumstances. And from a young age, you were forced to take on responsibilities and do things very much on your own and that the experience of that felt a little bit harsh at times if you to be honest then it would be very natural when you come to parenting yourself that your idea of showing love and your idea of a happy childhood would be having parents and being the kind of parent that does a whole lot more for your child than what was perhaps done for yourself The opposite would also be the case. So if you had parents who were very attentive to you and really did a whole lot for you and showed showed love in that way, you might feel that that has had repercussions growing up where you have had to kind of reparent yourself a lot, teach yourself some basic skills and really have to instill in yourself a greater sense of independence. And that process can obviously be quite tricky when we come to that later on in life. And perhaps for that reason, your main parenting value is to instill a whole lot of, a whole lot more independence and responsibility in your own children uh, from a young age. So just getting clear on what is driving our behaviors can have a big impact on how we go about instilling these very essential and beautiful qualities in our kids. It kind of speaks to the that motivation 
what drives us really speaks to how we're likely to show up, especially if our children are going to dig their heels in and not comply and not want to be independent in a given moment. A, a classic scenario would be when kids reach an age where they can absolutely dress themselves. You may have a second or third child as well, so more than one child to look after, and all of a sudden your your seven-year-old is asking you to dress them in the morning when there's already a lot of time pressures and and you're already a bit stretched and maxed out. And in that situation, it can be very tempting just to say, you know, come on, you're old enough. And of course, I'm not going to dress you. I mean, you're a big girl. You're a big boy. You do that yourself. And meanwhile, you might be taking loving care of little brother or little sister. And all the while thinking, oh, come on, why am I seeing this all the time? And just really insist that no, absolutely not. I'm not going to also baby you. If we were to take a step back and get curious in a situation like that, what we often find is that when we put ourselves in the position of our eldest, we might be better able to see that there are conflicting feelings about being the bigger one sometime, about being the bigger sibling, because there is often an extra expectation to be doing a whole lot more for themselves. And that can give rise to feelings of jealousy at seeing mom being more loving and understanding and empathic towards the younger sibling. And if that feeling gets too overwhelming, you'll most likely see that your child is sort of asking for a little bit more of that warmth, a little bit more of a helping hand in order to get that for themselves. The irony is the more we battle that, the more we insist, the more that behavior persists. So my biggest advice right there would be to really know that often it pays off to go with as opposed to go against. And that's not coming out of a place of leniency, but really out of meeting a fundamental need to feel that independence is not forced upon us, but independence is something our children want to do and are wired to, to do and run with when the conditions feel right, when they feel like their cup is full and they're, it's topped up. So you might feel that there is a little bit of fear around if I start pampering to my child in that way. You may even use words like pampering or indulging my child that way, that you are going to have to dress your child for the rest of your life. And I know you're listening to this podcast right now. Of course you know that that's never going to happen. But if that is ever a concern of yours, just remember that it's far better to own the fact that you are helping your child as opposed to reluctantly going with. What this might sound like is you could meet your child in your child's need and put some words to it and say, yeah, you also really want to have a little helping hand today. I can tell. Come, let me help you put on your tights or whatever it is and go with because that way, your child also gets some language and a bit more understanding of what it is that's actually driving that behavior in them. And it casts them not as a someone who, when they whinge, they get what they want, but it, but it get, gives them a sense of my needs are being met. We could also say no and still meet, the, meet and identify the need. And that would sound very similar. Be Yeah, it'd be really nice if I could do all the same things for you. I get it. 
here I am tending to your little brother all the time and you really wish you could have some of that as well. And then we can still go on to say no and say this morning, I don't have the time, love. But come, let me grab this for you that way. There's your top. And then connect instead as they're doing it as opposed to telling off. Now, I can almost hear what you what you might be thinking right now, but is that it? Will they just accept that and not be sad? Well, the thing is, they might be sad, and that's okay. The main thing is that we don't make them feel wrong about themselves for having this need. So it's really good idea to trust that what's more important for children is not to get what they always want at the time they want it, but be okay to want and to feel the way they feel. So as you can hear, independence is influenced by a number of different things. And one of them is when we try and hurry it, it doesn't really gel so well with independence, with our child's natural desire for independence. Other things that can hinder it can be difficult feelings. One of those is jealousy, as we just discovered. Another one can be things that are completely unrelated to what's going on in your child's interactions with you but to do with what's going on in a different setting in their life it could be what's going on at school their positioning in the social hierarchy of things in a school setting or in a nursery setting or wherever your child is spending a lot of a lot of uh, time and when our child is generally you, you often see this around the time when children start school there is a lot of pressure for young children to then suddenly function away from us, holding feelings in, you know, comply, control themselves and kind of put a lid on all their urges and, you know, feelings that are bubbling underneath. And what this might feel like for them is that it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to go and be big and be bold and be courageous and do all these things. They feel like you're very much out of your comfort zone on a daily basis. And what is so beautiful about children, because they do this without any conscious thought, is that they always seek to restore their emotional system to a place of balance again. And the way they do that is they do the opposite at home. They do that to create that yin to the yang. When I've been out being big and brave and you know very independent, I know I can come home and I can have my need for being little, being cared for and being uh, fearful even met without having to put my game face on everywhere I go. That's a really key part of creating good balance within. And if you really think about your yourself as well, if you've been uh, changing jobs in your career and you're going into a new office and everything is new and you're having to have, you know, someone show you around the grounds and you get this long list of things just to be able to even open your office and get into the building and where you have lunch and all that kind of stuff, you'll remember that that's so taxing on your system and what can sustain you and what can help you to tolerate that for the hours that you go to work is knowing that you can come home to a safe place where you're not having to be out of your depth anymore, where you can kind of just relax into uh, 
a safety net, basically, that we call family life. Okay, where no one is asking you to also be out of your comfort zone. So when children do this, they might start looking like they're regressing. And we might get worried and think, oh my goodness, my my big schoolboy is now suddenly asking me to walk him up the stairs and what's going on. Or it doesn't want to brush his teeth independently and need to do all these things for him. And it's just a good idea to get curious about what's causing this and maybe considering that in order for him to be able to do these big and and brave and independent things in this new setting of his, he needs to be able to gather that strength from home by me for some time allowing him to lean into a little bit less independence and home where I assist and I meet his needs a little bit more generously. And um, when we do that, we actually help our children be able to take bigger and more willing steps forward. That's the whole paradox of how independence works. So lastly, I want to share with you what a parent who I worked with for a while said to me in a one-to-one session where we looked at how she had showed up as a mom for a long, long time and had, in the name of love, done a whole lot more for her kids than actually she felt was helpful for them, precisely because she had begun to swing the pendulum the completely opposite way to how she was raised herself, where there was a lot of expectation on her to function almost like a little adult. She said she found it so useful to know that where this desire to do things for her kids had come from, because had she not become clear on that, she would have been very likely to carry on shaming her kids for not being more independent. And she would have missed the opportunity she ended up taking, which was to call to a family meeting one day. And in, a, in another episode, I'll explain more about what I, what I would propose for family meetings, what it is and the benefits of it. But she called her kids and she said that she sat them down and she admitted what she had done. And not in a guilting way, not in a way where it's about, I'm such a horrible mom, I failed you. But in a way that shows that she could carry herself and look at her own behaviors and her own motivations from a place of acceptance. That this is what I've done up until now. I have given you, I have shown you love by doing a whole lot for you. That was my idea of what it looked like to be a good mom. But I realize now that I have done way too much for you now to the point that I have not allowed you to show me all the beautiful things you can do all by yourself. So I'm going to allow you to do a lot more things by yourself now and I'm always here to help. That's a very different way to being told as a kid, you know, you're on your own now. I've done way too much and I'm done. That will never ever foster independence. That will feel scary for a child. But there is something very healing about taking responsibility for how we've shown up in in this respect and owning it, not placing blame, but simply owning it and being very constructive and positive about how we propose we go forward. Parenting is hard and sometimes we need just a podcast episode to bring us back on track again. And sometimes we need a little bit more. Sometimes there's more layers and more complexity to a situation that requires us to maybe take a greater step back and be able to see the possibilities that maybe we've overlooked for ourselves. So if in listening to this, you can see that there is more to it 
for you than what I've highlighted here, go and get that help. And you're always welcome to contact me and set up a free discovery call uh, with no strings attached, of course, if you wonder if I could be the right help for you. I hope you have a wonderful week. And remember that if parenting feels very challenging and very confronting, get curious instead of furious. And even if you do get furious, try and get curious after. Have a lovely week.